from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing as JB and I get you set for the Argos taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats this Friday night in Hamilton. Ben Grant, along with JB, as always, we've got a lot to get to today. A ton of stuff in our news and notes, including the PFF scores that we want to go through. The fact that the city of Toronto is sort of taking notice of the Argos, which, as we know, you know, you know, as Argos fans, doesn't always happen. Plus, we've uh, we kind of want to revisit the last time the Argos were 5-0, and and they have a chance to do that this week if they can keep things together in Hamilton. Plus, JB will give us the Halifax update. What is the mood like in Halifax as teams get ready? We're, we're just over a week away from the festivities starting in Halifax. And then we've got all our usual stuff, injury updates, game previews, OCDC, one thing, predictions, put me down for 20, and CFL picks. All that more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Before we get into things, JB, I want to talk about something in the water brewing. I've got my longboat here beside me, a longboat available from something in the water brewing, which is located in Liberty Village. Perfect place to go to after catching a practice. You want to go down, watch an Argos practice at Lamport Stadium. It's like a it's like a two minute walk from Lamport Stadium. It's only a few minutes from BMO Field. We've done that before, JB, where we've gone to something in the water and then and then moseyed on over to the game. It's just the perfect location for that. They've got Muskoka chairs you can sit in, a nice outdoor patio space, lots of great beer to choose from. I, I still recommend Longwood because it's made for you, Argos fans, but all their stuff is great. They've got a number of award-winning beers, but Longboat is the one that was made for you, fans of the Double Blue. All right, JB. PFF scores were uh, interesting this week because... Chad Kelly blew everybody away. Chad Kelly got the highest score of any CFL player so far this season at 93.4. And what's amazing about that is how, well, I guess there's a couple of things, but how far away like the, the next closest player is, like the fact that the, the top defensive player of the week had an 81, but also the fact that he threw a terrible interception, which would have been obviously a big minus play. And so without that one play, his his score would have been untouchable. So uh, I guess you, you can't be surprised by a score like this from Chad Kelly. No, I gave him an A. Uh, he was on fire. He was above 80% accuracy. You know, he um, threw some, I mean, there was some amazing catches, but he threw some amazing deep balls and, it was the best game he's played. It it was you know it is the evolution um, of him, and you know every game he gets better. There was something that Devaris Daniels said on TSN Radio today that I thought was interesting. He was talking about sort of comparing McLeod and and Chad Kelly as being very different quarterbacks. He said the the one interesting thing that he likes with Chad Kelly is that when Chad escapes the pocket, which he does frequently, because he's a threat to run, that does hold the linebackers in place. So you got one less person to worry about downfield as a receiver. But he also said he likes that Chad, instead of just running as soon as he leaves the pocket, he keeps looking downfield. And so some of the catches that guys have to make are adjustments on routes. They've got to keep focused because when Chad breaks the pocket, 
you're not necessarily looking to block now like other receivers and other teams. You're still looking to get open because he's still looking downfield to try and make a, a completion. So I thought that was just kind of an interesting thing to think about with Chad Kelly's game. Yeah, he... It, what, what's been, I think, the most impressive is that every time he has a flaw, he, he clearly is working on fixing it. Um, it... Uh, he is in complete control of the offense right now, which is something I did not expect until maybe a little later in the season. It, uh, you know, I'm happy. I, I'm my uh, my total yardage um, bet is uh, looking good. If I can just slow down Vernon Adams, yeah, that's right. You've got that futures bet hanging in there. We'll get to that when we when we get to put me down for twenty. Uh, but yeah, that one is, uh, is is a pretty big one for you. So yeah, hopefully that comes through. Other guys that PFF graded well, well, on the all-CFL uh, team this week, the Argus had two receivers in that mix. Uh, obviously, David Unger, the third, with his two touchdowns. He was the leading outside receiver. DeVaris Daniels also, as the number two slot receiver, got in there. And then on defense, it was just Robertson Daniel, who he had an interesting game because he just wasn't targeted much. And doesn't maybe show up when you're watching the game. You're not thinking, you know, especially after that three-pick game the week before, you're not leaving the Montreal game saying, wow, DeVaris was out there just doing incredible things. But what he was doing is taking guys away. And so the fact that that Fajardo couldn't throw to guys that that uh, Robertson Daniel was on is what makes his, his game so good. And so, of course, he grades very well. He only had uh, three targets to defend. So, yeah, that usually tells you something's going right. And a number of Hamilton Tiger Cats on this list, too. And so they, they're obviously playing well. James Butler was on there. Uh, they had Tyrone Riley, the offensive lineman, on there, as well as uh, Coulter Woodmansey. And on defense, Carney made their their all-week team. Chris Edwards on there, too. So, yeah, the, the Tiger Cats are playing well as we come into this matchup. But uh, these, these are some good scores. I, I expect this to be a good game. JB, the, the city is taking notice of the Argos and the mainstream media doesn't always pick up on what the Argos are doing. And I want to ask you why you think that is. I'm going to give you three options here. So <laughs> it it could be because of Chad Kelly. It could be because they're 4-0 or it could be another reason that I haven't uh, figured out yet. So what's your... What's your instinct telling you as to why the Argos are getting the kind of attention they're getting in the city of Toronto right now? Uh, I think it's probably a mix of all of those. Uh, having a famous last name quarterback, especially being so close to Buffalo, um, I think definitely there's name recognition. We've talked about that. Toronto's a town or a city that looks for stars. So the name recognition of Chad Kelly and the fact that he's doing well, I think is number one. Um, pushing a bit of the attention. Um, it has not been a great summer for Toronto sports teams. Uh, the Leafs are kind of falling apart a little bit in terms of not really exciting people's imaginations. Um, I don't even want to talk about what's going on with the Raptors. Uh, MLS, uh, God, TFC is just the worst. It's just an absolute garbage dump. So... I think in contrast to teams, I know the Jays are doing okay, but everybody's sort of still on the fence about them. So uh, I think in contrast to how TFC is doing and what the Raptors are doing, definitely that's that's also a bit of attention. You know that the tr- 
that this is a team that kind of deserves a little more attention because they're actually a Toronto team that's being successful. Um, you know, and I, I think it's a combination of those two things. I think the undefeated is something that kind of catches people's uh, ears as well. But if I had to boil it down to one argument, I would say it's it's the the Chad Kelly last name um, is is driving some of the attention. And you know what I've noticed now too, though, is that media has stopped using that to the degree they were in the beginning. Early in the season, every time you anyone talked to Chad Kelly, any interview he did, they always wanted to talk about his uncle. And over the last like week and a half, two weeks, you just haven't heard that nearly as much because obviously there's familiarity that's growing. And so it's everyone saying, oh, okay, we know who this is now. And there is already recognition for Chad Kelly sort of as his own person, which you want. You don't want to be living through the things that your uncle has done. That's, you know, that's not what Chad wants. He wants to make his own, make his own statements and, and write his own path. And I feel like the media is now allowing him to do that. Um, there'll be a, there'll be a national element that still has to revisit that probably at some point this season, but from all the local stuff, uh, you're just not hearing that nearly as much, but yeah, just looking around, I, I'm sure I don't have everything here, but I know Chad Kelly was on overdrive. Uh, Enoch Mwamba was with bar down Devaris on TSN radio. The fan has been, uh, uncharacteristically Argos heavy and the Toronto star pulling their weight as well. So it's, it's great to see these mediums, uh, covering the Argos, uh, in ways that we haven't seen at least to this degree before. Yeah. And I think connected to it is also the undefeated aspect. I think the longer they stay undefeated, um, that's a narrative media loves. So that will, that will definitely drive more attention, uh, to them. But as you know, as somebody who who kind of mocked BC last year for for their Rourke, um, you know, love affair, I, I do think not to find the the cloud, um, but I do think that Chad Kelly's ascension to to elite status in the CFL uh, probably means that he is going to be in an NFL camp next year, much like Rourke. So I think it's really important for Toronto fans to to really embrace this season because I don't think Chad Kelly is going to be here next year. He'll he'll get with his name recognition and his connections in the NFL. Um, he will definitely get a shot at a camp. I think so, too. And but I'm OK with that. Like that's yep. I'm always OK with that as as a CFL fan. That's something that I, I like that about the CFL. And I, I cheer for guys to succeed, you know, whoever it is like Jamal Peters last year. I didn't I didn't you know, as just as a guy covering the Argos, I don't want Jamal Peters not here. But of course, I do want Jamal Peters to to live his NFL dream and and make the money. And so I was cheering for him in Atlanta. I, I was happy to see him back here, but I wasn't happy that he was back here for him. And it's the same thing with all these guys. Like I think I think Quantas Stiggers is another guy that's not going to be playing in the CFL next year because I think he's going to get a shot if he continues at this pace. And Chad Kelly, I absolutely expect to get an NFL shot next year. Now, whether these guys, I, we're still we're talking a you know, let's enjoy this year. But yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Well, no, I mean, to me, it's it's about enjoying this year, because you know that's that's what it's about. It's about uh, you know not feeling bad that he's going to go, but just knowing you know this is this is a year that should be, you know, that everybody should get on board and not not kind of wait to see what happens in the future. 
And it is a historically good team as well to this point. It's it's a really strong football team. You look at at every positional group and every week when we do like when we do our OCDC segment, it's tough sometimes because you're looking like when I'm planning for the other team, like when I'm looking for, okay, I'm, you know, I'm the Edmonton Elks, I'm the Hamilton Tiger Cats, whatever it is, what's my game plan against this Toronto defense? And I'm sure it's the same for you on the other side. You're like, well, you know, how do we what do we what do we do to stop these guys? They're just there's a really solid football team on paper and they're even better, I think, on the field because the question marks that there were on paper don't really seem to exist. The things we were talking about in preseason, well, I don't know if this is going to work out. Like we were talking about the DBs and the quarterback position that were sort of unknowns. And uh, obviously those those have not been an issue at all. So uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's something that... Uh, just adds to why you should get out there and watch these Toronto Argonauts because they, they're they a great team. And it's going to be a team, if things keep going like this, that people talk about for a long time to come. But it's it's early. We are four games into an 18-game season, so we're definitely getting ahead of ourselves. But yeah, people should start appreciating and enjoying what we have here in Toronto right now. The last time the Argos were 5-0, which they have a chance to do this week, the CFL was in a really interesting place. I just looked up a few things. Reeve Batstone wrote an article that inspired me to do this. Uh, You can find that on xsandargos.com. And he was sort of talking about uh, some of, as he often does, about some of Toronto's uh, illustrious history. And some things going on in that 1960 season, the last time the Argos were 5-0. So the league was officially entering its third season. The, the the Stampeders were opening a brand new McMahon Stadium, which I think is, is hilarious. The roster sizes were 34 players, no practice squads. You can imagine how difficult that would have been. What was kind of neat is that the divisions were actually exactly the same. Ottawa and Edmonton had different team names, but otherwise the East and West was exactly as it is now, which is kind of funny because they went through changes uh, you know, between 1960 and now, obviously some major ones, but it's funny that they've kind of come back to that nine. What was different, though, is that teams that year did not play interdivisional games. East played East, West played West. And the main reason for that seems to have been TV contract uh, issues because the East teams were being paid a lot of money for their their TV deal, or at least a lot of money at the time for the, the TV deal. And the West weren't getting a, a, a cut of that. And so part of their part of their their negotiation for the West had been we if we're going to play interdivisional matchups, then we want a cut of the TV money. And the East was, I guess, holding out and saying no. And um, I think they um, I think they capitulated um, the uh, the following season, I believe, 61. They did have uh, the interdivision uh, schedules going on but uh, you can imagine actually we don't even have to imagine we just go back a couple seasons but Toronto had to play in their 14 game season they're playing Montreal five times Ottawa five times Hamilton four times uh, so yeah maybe in that last sense maybe not a lot has changed uh, the Argos also had a preseason game against the Pittsburgh Steelers that season which is kind of fun uh, back yeah I love that I love I wish there were a way they could do that again I'd love to see that yeah, and they played like this weird hybrid, 12 guys on the field, but a lot of NFL rules in there too. So you can imagine how frustrating that would have been for both coaching staffs trying to play like neither NFL or CFL rules. But yeah, what a cool exhibition. And, and actually the same thing, like that same summer, the Argos actually hosted an exhibition game between the Giants and Bears. And 
this it's believed that Toronto was sort of being used as like a test market to see if it would catch on because the NFL only had 14 teams at the time. So they were looking to see is Toronto maybe a site for expansion, but only 5,000 people ended up going to see that Giants Bears game. And so I guess they're like, no, I, I, this is not an NFL city. So, uh, but I, that's, that's me assuming that's what that was all about. But uh, that's, uh, that's kind of funny to look back at that. And that Argos 1960 team, they didn't win the Grey Cup. They were amazing, but they fell short. They ended up losing to Ottawa in a two-game aggregate series in the East final. Uh, but uh, yeah, they had like the rushing attack of Dick Shadow and Cookie Gilchrist. Cookie was... Averaging seven and a half yards per carry, shadow 5.8. Tobin wrote, if you projected him over an 18-game season, would have thrown for 5,500 yards, 49 touchdowns. So, yeah, that was that was a pretty explosive Toronto team. All right, JB, you've safely made it to Halifax. Uh, why don't you give us the, give us the word? We're uh, a couple <laughs> weeks away from the Halifax game. Is everybody in all of Halifax talking about the Toronto Argonauts right now? Uh, no, no. Um, the game is sold out. I think that probably means that we have Rider Nation um, rapidly approaching. Uh, there are a couple of uh, Rider-centered events at a local bar that look like they could be some fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, people I know in Halifax are going to the game and are excited to to kind of see what the vibe is all about. You know, we'll see how the tailgating goes. We'll see how the game goes. Um, you know, last year was obviously fantastic. So I think a lot of people who, who, who you know, watched it on TV in Halifax are keen to kind of take part in it. So, like, I wouldn't say it's a non-event, but you, this is not a Toronto Argo bastion. <laughs> not generally uh, Toronto know. supporting uh, no, city, I, mean, I wouldn't think. No, so it it's going to be a rider invasion again for sure. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Does having it in Halifax as opposed to Wolfville make it better for local Halifonians? Haligonians. Haligonians, right? Yeah. Um, right, there we go. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly I didn't know anybody who went to the Acadia game. And I know a lot of people going to this game. So... There definitely is more local pickup. Um, I know that obviously the league really wants to have a team here. Um, whether they can keep that temporary stadium at St. Mary's and 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 run it from from there, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting. It'll be an interesting. I think what'll be more interesting will be me talking to people after the game and seeing what they're what their reaction was to it. And, and hopefully it's, it's a great game in terms of how it resonates in the city and, and whether people then will want to go and, and, and make it a, you know, a, an event in the summer. So I'm, I'm more curious to see how it, how it resonates after the fact. Yeah. I think that, I think it'll be interesting to see, like for you to actually be at the stadium too, and sort of see what, see what that looks like in terms of how how much of a cfl environment does this look like like yeah, is this something that can keep going for for a couple I, of years i'm curious to see what the numbers are i mean last year was like 90 percent rider uh if not more so i'm curious to see how much is um a halifax audience and how much is just rider nation i mean in that sense 
I'm a bit sad that they brought the riders in again. I know it it it, it guarantees a good setup, but if if you're looking to find out, I I I would have thought you know bringing in the Alouettes or somebody um, might have been a truer test, but maybe they didn't want a true test. Yeah, it's possible, right? Like you because you know it works. You want to, and I, we know Commissioner Ambrosi is really pushing this. He wants this to happen. I think more than anything, and just this week it looked like some of the Quebec City hope is sort of squashed. Uh, Three Down Nation did a piece on that, which is kind of interesting to read because it, yeah, it just doesn't look like there's any um, private sector appetite at all in Quebec City for it. So uh, this, I think he really needs this to work. And so the riders make sense because the worst thing, the absolute worst thing for, for him and for that dream, I guess for all of our dreams to have that 10th that, that team, would be for that stadium to be like half full. That would be the worst. If you if you plan it with teams you didn't know would definitely go and it couldn't fill the stadium, that would that would be a disaster. So I, I feel like it makes sense. I think I probably would have done the same thing. I, I don't know if it needed to be Toronto the second year, but but that you know that works. It's it's it gets your attention as well because it's it's a city that at least everyone in Halifax has an opinion about. Yes, definitely. Let's take a look at the injury reports uh, from today. Um, practice over the last couple of days kind of looked a little bit like practice the last uh, first two practices of last week in terms of the injuries. So a lot of guys that weren't practicing on the Monday and that obviously gets people worried, but they seemed good to go today. A lot of guys went full today after sitting. So looking down the Argos injury list, uh, Deshaun Amos is limited with a shoulder injury. I, I think that was the result of the hit that I interpreted as being an elbow injury where that was some sort of friendly fire. I can't remember the exact play, but you had a bunch of Toronto DBs colliding together. It might have been Pickett that hit Amos in the arm. I think that's what we're talking about, that shoulder injury. So he's been limited for a couple of days. The D-line initially looked like they were having some issues because you had Costigan... Uh, Benoit Marion and Flora Milade, all of whom didn't practice Monday, but is a little bit of a different story today with at least Flora Milade returning to, to full go, but still missing Marion and Costigan. So we got to keep an eye on that. Costigan's got an ankle injury. Marion has a, a thigh injury. They can afford to be down a couple guys on the defensive line, but I think it's just worth monitoring because at you know any positional group, once you start losing two or three, uh, it doesn't really matter how strong you are. They're going to be, there's going to be an impact. So we'll keep an eye on that. And then uh, limited practice from Isaiah Cage, as well as Eric Sutton and Jordan Williams, which goes back to last week too. But all in all, uh, pretty positive. Robertson Daniel was back full again today after being limited before. So I think the the DBs look like they're going to be good to go. We just got to keep an eye on, on Deshaun Amos. Uh, anything concern you in there? Like, any injuries where you're looking at and you're just you're not so sure about about where we are? Or do you feel good at at week? What is this now? Week six? Week seven? No, yeah, no. I think I think we're in pretty good shape. I mean, hopefully Mwamba's back soon, and um, you know, knock on wood, everything's is you know general wear and tear. I think you could file it under. Yeah, I agree, and and I think well, Mwamba is due to be reevaluated after. It's after this coming. No, it's it's after the Halifax game. That will have been six games, and they'll, there's a few guys that they can take another look at. We'll have to see. Like, is Tommy? Where's Tommy Neal? That where's Enoch Mwamba? At? 
And I think Jordan Williams is is tracking nicely for for a return as well. So I, I think Argos are in a, a pretty good position injury wise. Knocking on wood here. Uh, for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, they are mostly healthy. The guys that were sitting out from practice and quarterback, it's a big asterisk there, except for a quarterback where they're in big trouble. But everywhere else, Hamilton's had, they've gone through some rough weeks for injuries. They look pretty good in the secondary. Tunde Adelike was practicing full, so he looks like he will return to the lineup. That's that's huge for them. Their offensive line also uh, looks to be in a better situation than it was. Uh, Chris Van Zyl did miss practice um, yesterday, but that was not football related. Uh, and it looks like their their defensive line is is now coming back together too. Dylan Wynn went full. He was he was uh, suffering from a knee injury, so they're in a pretty good spot aside from quarterback. But let's talk about that quarterback situation because that is a mess. So we know that Bo Levi Mitchell has been injured since he was hurt in week two uh, against Toronto. Uh, Matthew Schiltz came in. He suffered an injury last week and has subsequently been put on the six game injured list. So their quarterback situation was a mess and still kind of is coming to this week. So they've, we've, we've got uh, Tyler Powell, who's going to be making his first start as uh, a CFL quarterback. He only threw a few passes last week against Edmonton. Backing him up is presumably going to be Kai Loxley, who has only been in Hamilton for a couple of weeks, uh, having left Edmonton. And they just today, did they, was it just today? Yeah, I think it was just today. Um, who did they just sign? They just signed... Um, oh, um, his name's escaping me now. A former Argo quarterback was in BC. Oh, um... um oh, I, I want to say Pitten, uh, Pipkin. Pipkin. Antonio Pipkin. How could I forget Pipkin? Yeah, Antonio Pipkin just signed today. And he presumably... Well, he's going to have to dress because they got to dress three and he's the third quarterback on the roster, I guess. But... Yeah, Pipkin won't be ready to run any kind of offense in Hamilton. So that's something that I think um, the Argos don't really have to prep for in terms of film. Um, but it's even tough to to prep for to prep for Powell because he just hasn't had a, enough time in the CFL. You can't look at his performance last week against Edmonton. There's just not enough there. There's not enough not enough throws. Like I in prepping for for the OCDC segment, which we'll get to in a little bit, had to look back and watch a couple of games of his college film just to kind of see what what his strengths are and see where I, I felt like you know he could attack the Argonauts. And I think they're probably going to have to do some of that in preparing for him this week too. So it's a weird injury scenario, certainly for the the Hamilton Tiger Cats. How big is this game, JB? Uh, not that big. <laughs> It's not um, like it really isn't for the Argos, right? Like, no, you want to win, obviously. Yeah, but it's a, divi- it's a division game. Um, you'd you'd like to really bury Hamilton, um, and again, you know, you've got some tough games coming up. I mean, the Halifax game is going to be tough. The Calgary game is going to be tough. Uh, you start, you know, not to go on and on, but you know, you're going to start being on the wrong end of buys in the second half. So I guess it's important to to stack up another win with with the Argo friendly schedule. So maybe I'll change my response to pretty important because this is a this is another opportunity to stack a win uh, where they should. So uh, I'll put it at that. Pretty important. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I don't even know if I'd go that far. Like, as much as every CFL game is important, that's obvious. In a in a season where it's not Major League Baseball, it's not even hockey or basketball, in football, every game does matter because you've only got 18 of them. But if they do drop this game, it's certainly not the end of the world. You've still got, like, you would still have every East team at best at 500 and the Toronto Argonauts would be at four and one. So it certainly wouldn't be uh, panic bells uh, or anything like that if, if they do drop this one. But like you said, the reverse side of that, going to five and oh and pushing Hamilton to two and four at that stage, uh, Montreal on a bye this week. So they would remain at two and three. That's that's such a big cushion. It's it's already a difficult one to come back from, even in a long uh, in a long season, it's it's tough to to make up that ground. So I think it would be huge in that sense. It's, it's but it's definitely a bigger game for Hamilton than it is for Toronto in that way. All right, JB, let's get to your favorite segment, OCDC, brought to you by the Business Barbershop and Spa. <laughs> The Business Barbershop and Spa invites you to experience Etobicoke's premier licensed men's grooming lounge for hair, face, and body care, celebrating 10 years in the Kingsway. And if you book a service, you'll be entered into a draw to win a $200 gift card. Just mention Argo's all about the business when you book your service. It's right on the subway line too. You go to Royal York Station. It's right there. It's a short walk. You won't regret it. It's a great place to get your hair cut. I've done some of the other stuff too. Actually, I had an experience in the spa as well. I've had a shave there. It's it's all high, high quality stuff. Um, some of the products that you can come away with uh, from there too are fantastic. So yeah, I couldn't recommend that place more. Business Barbershop and Spa in the Kingsway. All right, JB, I'll start it off for OCDC. I'll run uh, Hamilton's offense. We'll do the bad guys first. This is a tough one. As I said, looking up the things that Taylor Powell does well, what I see on film, and I I don't want to disrespect him because he's a professional quarterback. Uh, You know, he may go out there and and really prove me wrong. I don't see a ton from Powell on film. I I had to go back and watch um, a little bit of uh, a little bit of his his college stuff. And so, you know, taking a look at uh, even going back to uh, I think it was Troy that I was watching and uh, and Eastern Michigan. Uh, it's he's not a guy that scares you physically. He's athletic, but he's not a speedster. Uh, he doesn't have a strong arm in terms of velocity. What he is very good at doing is placing in touch passes on deep balls. And we saw him do that. His very first CFL pass was a corner route touchdown. But even that, like it was it wasn't beautifully placed. It just happens that the the Ticats receiver burned his coverage and he was wide open, but the ball was actually underthrown and behind. That said, he is good at, at finding deep guys and just kind of floating it in there, giving his guy a chance to see the ball, react to it, high point it and come away with it. But he's not shooting laser beams down the middle of the field, um, finding pockets the way that you see Chad Kelly do, certainly. So I think I think it's going to be tough for, for Hamilton. And I I don't really as as the Hamilton OC, I don't think I want to challenge downfield too much. I think they're going to have to throw a few deep balls just to back the Argos off because I think the Argos will be playing to stop the run and to send pressure. But I think other than a few token deep balls, I really think offensively Hamilton has to lean on the run. I don't like its chances of working. I like there's the the answer for this is gadget plays, and I but I'm not going to go into that because it's gadget plays like flu flickers and things like that. I don't I don't want to get too far into that, but they've got to pound the run. 
The Argos D-line is banged up. They're more banged up than they have been all season. The Hamilton O-line is looking better than it has in weeks. And so I think you have to try and exploit that. Butler's been playing pretty well. Start pounding the ball and don't get away from the run game. I think eventually there's a chance of that opening up. And then every so often you're going to play action. You're going to take a deep shot. Uh, and see if you can catch uh, Toronto sleeping or draw a flag, whatever it is. I think that's how Hamilton's got to score their points. So lean heavily on the inside run, and then every so often you air it out to your receivers. It's it's not a creative or exciting game plan. I just think that's what you have to do if you're if you're Hamilton this week. What are you saying defensively, JB? I'm trying to uh, stop Hamilton. No, you are Hamilton trying to stop Toronto. Uh, if I'm trying to stop Toronto, I mean, you know, nobody's had a lot of success at it. I think that you you have to consistently um, – well, I mean, teams do well for a half. I mean, they are able to stop the run. I mean, when you stop the run, it's a problem for Toronto. Toronto has not scored um, very well in the first half, and teams have been successful at stopping the run. I still believe – you know, you don't need to get much more creative than that. I think if, when you are stopping the run, it it slows down everything because that Toronto is built to do both. Um, but well, I don't know what happens at halftime, but they're just they come out in that second half and and they've just worn teams down and they just can't they can't stop the run for a full game. Um Getting pressure to Kelly doesn't seem to really work. The old line has really done a nice job in pass pro. Uh, so if if I'm Hamilton, no one's really done a great job of confusing Kelly yet uh, in terms of different looks or 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 you know rolling formations over. I mean, it, it seems to be that he's really confident in in what he's seeing and his looks. So you know, if I'm Hamilton, I'm I, I'm going to try and stop the run for four quarters. And if I'm able to do that, then, um, you know, I think that you you have a decent shot at playing uh, man coverage against the DB, you know, against the uh, the Toronto wide receivers. And, you know, I think you have a shot at, at coming away with a win. But you've, you've got to find it within you, whether you have a good rotation or what have you, you have got to um, stop the run for four quarters. So... You know, I wish I could come up with something more exciting, but I I don't think there is. I think if you can play man deep on the on the wide receivers and you can stop the run, uh, you're going to have success against Toronto, as teams have had in the first half. And if we switch over to the good guys, I, I again, it's not an exciting game plan, but I think it's one that's effective. So when I'm looking at this, I, I look back to Hamilton's game against Toronto, uh, week two of the season, Toronto's opener. Because obviously that's film they're going to be looking at defensively. They'll look at the last few games Toronto has played too, but they're going to come back to, well, what did they do against us last time? What, what, Where did they have us? Remember, Coxie had a really big game. He was working the sideline. Um, they're going to be on that. We remember uh, also sort of a, an efficient passing game, um, an efficient, sorry, an efficient running game to, to complement that passing game to Coxie. I think... Hamilton is going to be very aware of Coxie and they're going to be very aware of the deep ball. And so I actually want Toronto to start running some of the stuff that Edmonton has on their playbook, which I, I don't really like, but I think it's going to be wide open this week. What Edmonton does far too much 
is they'll do sort of quick play action and then throw a, a hook route to the slot receiver, to the number two or the number three slot receiver. And the problem is Taylor Cornelius can actually do that quite well when he's accurate. When they've got Daigie in there, he doesn't have the velocity to be able to run that same concept. And so his guys are getting lit up. They're getting hit in the spine every play. Chad Kelly has that Cornelius velocity. And so I, I think that's where the hole is going to be. I think they're going to have guys up to stop the run. I think the DBs are going to be playing off. And I think there's going to be a lot of mid-level opportunities. So I love those quick play action, zip the ball uh, into Curly Gittins Jr., into Devaris Daniels, uh, Cam Phillips. Work those slot receivers on those hook routes and dig routes um, and outs as well. Those are fun too, as long as Coxie and and uh, actually and whoever's outside, it doesn't even matter, but whether it's Brissett, Unger or Coxie, the outside has to clear and then you should have those, those out routes as well. I wouldn't mind getting Chad Kelly on the move as well, not so much to have him run, but because that will again draw defenders up and we see Toronto getting better and better each week in terms of the receivers that responding to Chad on the run and getting their scramble rules down. So I wouldn't mind actually designing that, have him roll out more, move the pocket a little bit, change the launch point, make Hamilton's DVs work a little bit harder. And they also can't abandon the middle run. That's part of holding that play action and keeping that relevant is being able to run the middle. Hamilton's going to be gearing to stop that, but I don't think you give up on that because of that. So that, that's my plan for the Argos. How are you stopping the Tiger Cats? Um, well, I don't think they're very good. Um, they're not very good at running. They're not very good at passing. Um, I don't think you have to come up with anything very elaborate, to be honest, and, and to and to give much good film for opponents. Um, with the young kid at quarterback Powell, for sure I'm going to bring, as I know Coach Will, lots of exotic blitzes, lots of different looks, um, make him prove that he can handle the heat and when he does then i would back off and i would just play you know just play ball just you know my cat's better than your cat like i would i wouldn't do anything very complicated i just don't think there i don't think you have to i don't think you have to cheat to stop the run um i don't think you have to confuse the quarterback for there to be balls that are going to be picked you know they are not a powerful offense so there's no need to put good film out there um that's what I would do. I would I would spend the first quarter making them prove that you can't just blitz them all the time. And if they if they don't prove it, then keep going. And if they do, then I would play very close to a kind of vanilla defense. To be honest, I I think that our guys are good enough to play a vanilla defense largely against Hamilton. I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I I think that you can. You know, there are times for, for cooking stuff up. And if you can get away without putting good film, I think this is an opportunity with Powell at quarterback. Your one thing last week uh, did not come through. It yeah, was, you wanted, what, four Dude. or five penalties for the Argonauts? Uh, they had no, like I said 50, eight. Eight. I eight. said eight. Yeah. And that's yeah. not even that, that low, but no. yeah. Uh, no. What, do, what are you doing work. for one thing this week? Um... Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go with the penalties again, one more time. I'm. Go, I'm gonna say, I right, let's let's get those penalties under eight. All right. What is eight fine, or has got to be seven and under? Um, eight is fine. Okay. Eight and under. All right. They gotta be. Able, they gotta be able to do that. That was. They asked Tavares. They asked Tavares about that today. I was wondering. I was wondering how he had answered that. They asked uh, what Coach Dimwitty's emotions were like after a game in which there were. 
15 penalties. Uh, and I was expecting, I was expecting a, a laugh or something because we know how intense Coach Dinwiddie can be. But DeVars wasn't, he, that wasn't his response. He's like, well, you know, he, he gets it. You know, we were, we were coming off a bye. Some of them are kind of freak penalties, scenarios where there's pushing and shoving, flags are thrown. I, I guess that's, you know, what he's uh, referring to. But I can't imagine Coach Dinwiddie would be very chill with the Argos going no, out and getting and, right. 15 penalties again. Obviously, not every penalty is, is, is the same or equal. Um, but you you know you want to you want to get more middle of the pack in terms of penalties. Hamilton also uh, is highly penalized, so put that onto their not terribly powerful offense. My one thing is keeping Hamilton under a hundred yards rushing, which they should be able to do. But I think that's how Toronto. If Toronto's going to lose this game, it will be because Hamilton can run the football. It'll take the pressure off of Taylor Powell, and and he needs that. Like he can't do it. if. If Hamilton can't run the football, they won't win the game. And so I think if Toronto keeps Hamilton under 100, I think they, they cruise to a victory. Unless like unless the offense completely explo- or implodes, I think that's the, the big key for me. So under 100 yards rushing. How does this one end, JV? What's your prediction? Final score? Winner? What do you say? Uh, I got to pick Toronto again. I know it's in uh, Hamilton and strange things can happen in Hamilton. They're a very good home team. Uh, but I I think Toronto has too many too many weapons. Um, I think that Hamilton having Powell at quarterback hurts. Uh, I, uh, but you know weird things happen in Hamilton, so I do think it's closer. I think that uh, I think that um, Toronto ends up winning thirty five twenty eight. Okay, and I don't see it going like that at all. Like I was trying to envision, like how do I see these drives going? How do I see the half going? I have trouble seeing Hamilton scoring a lot of points. I just I just can't see. And I know it's going to be through weird things. If Hamilton puts up the numbers you're talking about, it's strange stuff will have happened. And I we've agree. seen that gonna before. Be, going to be special teams, might be a pick right. six. I agree. It's just whatever it is about Hamilton, it's a weird, it's a weird. Well, look at Edmonton. Edmonton put up, like, how did Edmonton put up 31 points or whatever they put up, right? I know. Like, it didn't, didn't make, make sense. any sense, right? I know. And I, I just, I can't, I'm having trouble like banking on that. And so I just don't, I only have two scoring drives for Hamilton. I have Toronto winning 27 6 in Ooh. a blowout. So um, I know like Spicy. Hamilton's, they're capable of winning. I just, I don't see how it will happen. It will take something weird, which I agree could happen. I just, I can't, I can't predict that though. So 27 6 is my final score. Oof, you better make sure you don't have your Argos gear after you leave that game. <laughs> It's time for Put Me Down for 20. And before we get into Put Me Down for 20, I just want to remind you that while gambling can be a fun way to enhance your sports viewing experience, it's important to do so responsibly. Set a budget, never bet more than you'd be happy to lose, and certainly don't take our advice seriously. We're, some of us are, are struggling with this <laughs> with this segment. And so, yep. uh, yeah, it's, we're, we're not worth, we're definitely not worth uh, taking seriously and um, doing anything other than just kind of having a fun bet with. So um, I, I'll leave that to you. But uh, if you or anyone you know develops a problem with with gambling, please call the Ontario Problem Gambling Helpline. It is one 1-888-230-3505. JB, you need a bounce back week. You have, I think you've, I think you've dropped seven in a row. I know your futures yeah. bet is looking fantastic right now. No, it's, it's been, it's been a, it's been a grind um, with the picks for sure. 
So um, I split last week, which had me losing a little bit on the juice. Uh, I'm currently at 245 golden fleeces, um, and you are at 144 golden fleeces. So I turn to you. Where are you putting your golden fleeces this week? Uh, yeah, get a little, a little more conservative here. Um, I'm going to start with um, my guy, Kenny Lawler, who is returning to CFL action. Anytime, anytime touchdown, plus 105. I think they I think they look for him early and often. Um, I like that juice for Kenny Lawler. Yeah, I think he's a top three receiver in the CFL, and they're certainly going to want to feed him and sort of bring some energy to that crowd and see if they can knock Edmonton out of it for good this time, not just for three and a half quarters like they did against Ottawa. Uh, and that's for 10 fleeces. And where are your, where's your Argonauts game 10 going? Uh, my Argonaut uh is gonna go to because I just I just I just believe it's in Hamilton. I think Hamilton covers the seven and a half spread, but I like the over 49 and a half. So going with my my score. Um I just think weird things happen. And you know, Hamilton's offense certainly is as good as whatever Edmonton was doing and Edmonton somehow scored all those points. So that's what I'm banking on a Hamilton a Hamilton cover and a 49 and a half over parlay. And for my 20 golden fleeces, I'm going to put five golden fleeces on the Elks plus 15. And that's at, at uh, plus 100. Um, 15 points, like I don't think the Elks are going to win that game. I actually think Winnipeg's going to going to crush the Elks. But 15 points is too many points for a professional football team. And this can be like the weirdest backdoor where Winnipeg's you know winning by 22 with a minute left. And, and it still ends up covering. So... I, I just think uh, I think that's too many points. So anytime I see a spread like that, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, I'm only doing five because it's Edmonton. Any other team, I probably would would put ten on that. And my fifteen golden fleeces remaining are going to go to Devaris Daniels touchdown anytime touchdown plus two ten. I just thought the juice was really good on that to get to get plus two ten on on Devaris. Like we've we've put Devaris bets on at like plus one fifteen and plus one twenty five. Yeah, he, so. and he certainly has scored against Hamilton. So. Yeah, he does well against Hamilton. He's he's yep. had some nice ones in that same stadium. So that's where my remaining 15 golden fleeces will go. All right, CFL picks. Yeah, a little better here. A little, yeah, little you're more, doing better. A little more you're, pride in my picks. You are beating me. You have you are 14 and 9 on the season. I have slipped down to 13 and 10 on the season. So uh, yeah, let's go through let's go through the docket of games. We got Edmonton at Winnipeg. I'm taking Winnipeg. Is that you too? Yeah. I mean, I don't know entirely what's going on in Winnipeg and, and why they're unable to close out some of these games. But yeah, I I have Winnipeg. They do look older for the first time in a while. People have been saying that for a few years. This is an old yeah. team. They do look older, but. For three quarters, they look great. And um, I mean, adding adding Kenny Lawler, if if he is huge, if he is add. at where he's been, yeah, that's that's a big that's a that's a big push. I just I don't think there's any chance they lose this game. They they outclass Edmonton in every possible way. I know they're in their own heads a little bit probably, but I think Coach O'Shea will take care of that. So yeah, Winnipeg wins. Uh, Toronto at Hamilton. We both have Toronto for that one. Saskatchewan at BC. That's another. I think that was like a ten point spread. Where Where are you going straight up? Uh, Saskatchewan uh, BC. or BC? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously Saskatchewan has got to recover from Harris having his leg turned sideways, and uh, BC at home. 
Um, and again, look, the, the Saskatchewan's got to go to BC and then they got to fly across the country. So it's another nice little setup for Toronto. But I like the Lions at home. Yeah, I, I don't see the Lions losing this game. I, I'm not a big Mason Fine fan. And um, Lions coming off the bye. Uh, yeah, Lions coming off the bye too. Yeah, so I think that's it's a, a tough. It's that's a, a tough, storm. rough rider grind, to be honest. To lose your quarterback, fly to BC, then fly to Halifax. Yeah, that's that's. If if we were a rough rider pod, we would probably be smashing our watermelons. Yeah, I know. I do. I do like listening to those guys though, like uh, like Joel Gass and then like the 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 rough rider pods are. There's a couple of really good ones, um, but uh, yeah, I, I always enjoy those. But I haven't listened this week yet, so I'll have to see what the mood is like in rough rider land. And then uh, the last game of the week, Ottawa at Calgary. Uh, will the magic continue? Uh, will there be another crumb back? Um, yeah, this is a weird two teams that I just can't figure out. But I did say I would pick whoever won that Saskatchewan-Calgary game, even though they did their damnedest to try and give it away. I'm taking Calgary at home. Um, I think the Ottawa magic uh, comes to an end. Yeah, I think the same too. I just don't see it. Like as much as I, I wrote a I wrote a piece this week on Three Down Nation looking at the two big touchdown runs that Dustin Crum had. And while those two plays were magic, there were things that went wrong for Winnipeg to make those both happen. Like one was a, a terrible miscommunication and one was just sort of a a freak blocky assignment happening happening to match up perfectly with a twist that Winnipeg had on. And it, I, I just don't see a lot of consistency in Ottawa being able to put up points. So I, I do like their defense, but I, I just think it's going to be tough. And now that there's some more film on Crumb, I think Calgary's D is going to look pretty good this week. So And, I mean, we'll see. I mean, God, if the CFL could have another weekend like last weekend, I mean, they'd be pretty happy. Oh, it was so, like, it, the, the Toronto-Montreal game was the best game, but there were two amazing finishes. The Ottawa-Winnipeg finish was astonishing, and the Calgary... <laughs> well, the Calgary-Saskatchewan was... That was that was just, like, what is going on here? Um, <laughs> everything about it was weird. Like, the, yeah. the Hail Mary touchdown was was on third and 24. Uh, yeah. It was nuts. And amazing. Then, and then the 50-yard 50, 50 field goal to win it, like, ugh, just... Yeah, a roller coaster of emotions, as they say. So the Argos are in Hamilton. It is this Friday night. You can catch Mike Hogan and I on the radio broadcast on TSN 1050. That will just about do it for us on this pregame walkthrough episode of the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Fight the fun.